Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined by Mr. Lawrence Jackson and Kyle Dvorak. Let me talk in the fallout from a Monday night game that really not quite sure what I saw. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got a QB dub. Uh, so we'll be talking <laughs> about that and the Rams. Todd, as we're going to be doing every Tuesday, sorry if you're not listening on Tuesday, Todd, the guys were having trouble ranking this upcoming week. And got to tell you, it's not really getting any easier on a lot of these people. Uh, we didn't put Kyle Pitts on our list of players, but he is the single most difficult player. To rank at this point. Is it difficult? Just come on. Don't man. rank him highly. That's it, 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 it's, it's getting, it's difficult in another sense as it's yeah. like, you know, when you gotta, you know, send your child off cause you just can't, you know, you done tried your hardest to make him a good kid and <laughs> he just won't do it. Like it's that kind of difficult. So as you see him creeping down everybody rankings, it's like that slow little tear just come down our eyes. Yeah. Me and Kyle are trying to make Kyle and Kyle are trying to make <laughs> our marriage work, but man, every time he goes out and plays two thirds of the snaps and gets four targets, it becomes harder to keep it together. Yeah, uh, <laughs> playing fewer snaps, I believe than Parker Hesse. Um, who, Don't tell me that. The generational Parker Hesse. Hey, Lawrence, do you and Matthew Barry, what do you got in mind for the follow-up vid? Um, I, we we probably should be uh we, we should be it should be a video of us hiding somewhere. <laughs> that's the only, that's the I'm only sure one. there are some. I've been to the NBC complex many times. I believe <laughs> there's some really nice closets there. Um, you can maybe stuff yourselves into. I mean, a- after that effort, I just don't know what else, uh, what could possibly be done. Uh, e- even after, even in week three, it wasn't a major blow up game, but it was definitely on the right track. He got over um, 19 yards, which is something I don't think he had done after <laughs> two games. So it was a real achievement. Week three was so frustrating because Arthur Smith spent all week like hemming and hawing, like, I'm not going to just, can't just force the ball to a guy. Yeah, he gave four times <laughs> the opening <laughs> series. He was amazing. And then like the rest of the game, he still only got like four more targets. Man. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I can't just force the ball to a guy. And Sean McVay's like, hold my beer. <laughs> Sean yeah, McVay. Right, right. Watch this. You think you can't force the, the ball to one guy for 90% of your plays? And uh, on those plays, it works. It's just the fact that uh, any play that doesn't go to Cooper Cup doesn't work. 
And uh, Arthur Smith just refuses to even acknowledge the fact that he has like a Calvin Johnson level athlete on his team. Just doesn't care. Whatever. Denny, Denny and I talked about on Monday. The biggest problem is that he's getting away with it because they're winning. <laughs> we got yeah. Didn't oh, they yeah. complete they, like they, seven they, passes and win a football game? Yo, you can't tell him nothing because at first he <laughs> losing everything. They losing, you know. But now that he's won like this, this is the most disgusting way you could win a football fa- uh, football game as far as fantasy football fans are concerned. But, you know, he, he don't care, Mr. FedEx. Keep doing you. <laughs> it's Mr. FedEx. If you don't know what that means, go to Arthur Smith's Wikipedia, folks. Um, and I, I just got to say, there are far too many football coaches whose dream it is to win a game by only completing seven passes. And <laughs> Arthur Smith has at least checked that one off the bucket list. So maybe now your new dream should be winning a game where Kyle Pitts catches 10 passes. Um, I don't know what Sean McVay needs to add to his bucket list. Uh, I tweeted Monday night, like I was working real hard not to tweet stuff like, are the Rams good? Question mark. Maybe the Rams are bad. Uh, not an inspiring night for their, again, another thing it looks like, they've traded all these draft picks. They've made only 13 picks in the top 100 since 2016, I thought that was beginning to appear evident last night and all season. Just a team without depth. I've had Rams fans tweeting at me, well, yeah, all the linemen are hurt and we're playing like practice squad guys. I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you don't make draft picks. Yeah. We're all looking for the guy who did yeah, We're all trying to find the, the guy who did this. The results are the results. No matter who playing, when it comes down to it, I could make – I got legitimate excuses of why – you know, can makers ain't good, but it doesn't matter. The results are the results, and nobody on that offense is, is good except Cooper Cup. Now, again, it Pat, it might start, it might start showing a little bit with those lack of draft picks, but I guess that's why you sold out. You got your Super Bowl, so they can find solace in that. But guess what? We ain't thinking about that anymore. No. <laughs> we ain't <laughs> thinking about that. You had your parade already. Now, now we're here in the offense. Hell, are the Falcons better than – well, they just beat the they Falcons. They almost were. I, Lawrence, yeah. I think what happened in that game, not to cut you off, is that I think the Falcons didn't realize they were better than the Rams until like the third quarter. They were like, oh, my God, I think we might actually be better than them. And like then they kicked it up a notch, and they just needed like another quarter, and they would have beaten the Rams, I think. Right. So it's – That is an important point is that it worked. But we are seeing now the other side of the coin of selling out. And more teams should sell out. You so rarely get to the Super Bowl. It's almost impossible in a league with 32 teams. They sold out. They got the trophy. Now the team is looking bad. They thought they were reloading for 2022. And a big part of that, guys, was Allen Robinson. But They were just putting blanks in the chamber. Like, look at all these bullets we got. Blank, <laughs> Ben Skronek. Blank, Allen Robinson. Well, the Rams gambled. Joseph Noteboom comes back at left tackle. Blank in the chamber. The Rams gambled that 2021 Allen Robinson struggles was about Allen Robinson and Matt Nagy just not seeing eye to eye. And that think basically thinking that Matt Nagy was punishing Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson basically quit on the season. That was the Rams bet on Allen Robinson in 2021. Not that maybe he was physically declining and just losing snaps naturally through four games. He has nine catches for 95 yards, kind of becoming a prayer yards master all of his targets are like when he's like singled up with someone and like really tight coverage. I was at, is Allen Robinson droppable? He it was a summer hype beast for obvious reasons. This offense needed a second target. The second target is apparently Tyler Higby, though. 
And after with nearly a quarter of the fantasy season in the books, or a quarter of the real season in the books, would you guys say Allen Robinson is droppable, starting with you, Lawrence? Um, It's pretty close. But I wouldn't drop him, but he that first dude on my bench that I would drop. I guess you might as well say I'll drop him. Hell yes. I Give it up. You, Give it up, man. What, 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 what are we going to do? What are we doing? Like, Give me Isaiah McKenzie. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Give me that. Give me who else is out there? It's George Pickens was under 50% rostered this week. Yeah, Definitely. Give me George Pickens. He just went over 100 yards. Yeah. Give me that. If that someone cut be- Zay Jones because he was hurt, like he had a, pl- a pretty strong role uh, up until he got hurt last week. So, do you want Nico Collins over Allen Rod- I mean, I'm just starting to like remember dudes. That, but- that, one, that one is tough. I don't think so. If you look at the game last night, they literally act like he ain't even there, like he not breathing. But, you know, when they get close to the goal line, you know, they kind of. They 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 want to be nice to him. They threw him a goal line target that he had no shot at catching at all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's I don't know if that's worth I don't know if that's worth my roster spot. It does seem like they have a role in mind where they definitely view him as someone who's going to win one on one, especially in the end zone. Just hasn't worked out that way yet, and just you know, we're not seeing. We're just with our own, with the, the eye tests. He's just failing it spectacularly every time a camera cuts down Robinson, someone's draped all over him. He's not getting free right now. And I mean, there's maybe a lot of reasons for that. Uh, Cause you, you don't even have to rush. Like you, you have your full defense available when you're defending the Rams right now, you can rush for and easily get pressure because of how bad the offensive line has been that frees up personnel to guard dudes like Allen Robinson. But I just, what even is like the ceiling at this point is the problem. Like we're not going to be getting hundred yard games from Allen Robinson. That's very clear. He's becoming like, where his ceiling is basically becoming like an Adam Thielen type. And his ceiling is that that time Mike Evans caught two one yard touchdowns in one game. Uh, (laughs) But that's like it. Like that's all they use him for. He's barely, barely out targeting, targeting Ben Scrowneck or Scourneck or however you say the guy who is playing half fullback and half wide receiver and inline tight end and is blocking. That guy is competing with him for targets. The only thing you can hang your hat on is the fact that he's getting strong usage in the red zone and in the end zone, but he looks not even capable of, of connecting on those. So who cares? I'll, I'll throw a few names out there real quick. You can both do a yes or no <laughs> start. Well, start with you, Kyle, then go to you, Lawrence, uh, Alan Robinson or chase Claypool. Oh. I, I guess still <laughs> Alan Robinson for this one. Uh, yeah. Um, I literally forgot about Chase Claypool. So give me A-Rob right there. All right. So Chase Claypool there. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kyle, or Allen Robinson? MVS. Yeah, Lord. yeah, MVS. Nah, MVS. Yeah. Fine, he's catching one. passes in the field of play. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, this one's almost too disgusting to even say. But uh, Kyle, Corey Davis or Allen Robinson? Corey Davis, I think. Corey Davis. Oh, man. Come on, yeah. guys. He Come got three seventy yard games this season. He does. Allen Robinson got ninety something yards on the whole season. He does. He has ninety five <laughs> yards. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like the Corey Davis thing's kind of a scam. Garrett Wilson's gonna pass him. Elijah Moore is gonna pass yeah, him. It, but... it is. It is. But so is Allen Robinson. Yeah. And, the, and then okay, the Nico Collins or Allen Robinson. This is the final one, Kyle. I think for me, this one's Allen Robinson. But again, like this should not be a conversation we're having for a dude who is supposed to keep their offense humming. 
Yeah, give me the same. I'll stay A-Rob right here. I lied. There's one more. <laughs> Darnell Mooney or Allen Robinson. Oh, my God. Give me Mooney. I think Mooney, too. I think Mooney, too. Give me Mooney. Showing signs of life. Uh, so we're worried about Allen Robinson. I mean, Matthew Stafford, still a QB1. He's leading the league in interceptions, zero touchdowns. I mean, against a really tough defense last night, but he's only had one multi-touchdown game. And four games. He's had two back-to-back scoreless starts. The quarterback's in a really, really weird spot right now. We're about to talk about it. Where it's kind of like dying off, like after QB nine or ten, where we're getting into territory where like Derek Carr is just like a set and forget back in QB one. That's not Geno Smith, Jared Goff, just your classic set them and forget them. Good for not a good situation. So Kyle, and and that. With that setup, is Matthew Stafford still a QB1 or is this just not tenable right now? I don't think so. I think, I mean, he's a top 15, 16 type of guy. He's not far off because, like you said, the, the guys at the back end from QB7 to QB like 15 or 16 are just completely interchangeable for the most part. But like, I'll have Jared Goff ranked ahead of him. Dude, Jared Goff balled out. I get Seahawks defense isn't particularly good, but he also was just playing with like practice squad level players and TJ Hawkinson. And he turned TJ Hawkinson into a star. Like things are working for that team. Geno Smith leads the NFL in completion percent over expected. He's taking a lot of layups, but he's like, not, you know, he's 99% from the free throw line. That's good. So, <laughs> I, I mean, to me, like you know, these types of guys can jump ahead of him. He won't be a QB one. In Lawrence, is Matthew Stafford a top 12 quarterback? Nah. It, now, like you said, Pat, tough defense to face in the 49ers. You got an elite front seven going against the opposite of elite offensive line. But you just coming out, you the Super Bowl champs. You got to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're Matthew Stafford, and you got Cooper – you got Sean McVay, the boy wonder head coach, you know, who do all the offensive guru stuff. Like, you got to do provide some resistance here. Like, nah, he's not a QB1. He's just not right now. It's been two really tough defenses in the 49ers and the Bills. But then it was the Falcons, who he's tossed two interceptions against. Yeah. It was the Cardinals. who I mean, the Cardinals have erased back-to-back quarterbacks. <laughs> One of them was Baker Mayfield, though. <laughs> um, but I, I'm pretty sure the Cardinals are not an imposing no nope. quarterback matchup. And I think it just comes back to what we've been kind of hinting at. The supporting cast just is not good enough. They gambled on Allen Robinson and it failed spectacularly. Now it seems like they're basically trying to stay 500 until Odell Beckham's knee is healthy. Like they're, they're almost like already talking about that. Like come back to us. Odell. like uh, once you're healthy, don't forget red, about us. They got a red carpet rolled out for Odell Beckham ready to go because he was balling with them. he, he he was as soon as he touched down in in L.A. He was ready to go. Had a hundred yard game in the uh, in the playoffs. He he he'll be ready to go. Allen Robinson, not so much. So it sounds like we're not struggling with where to rank Matthew Stafford. It's outside the top twelve right now. We'll start with who we're struggling to rank at quarterback. Uh, Kyle, who are you struggling to rank at quarterback ahead of Week Five? Uh, I'm struggling with Russell Wilson. This is sort of the the same. It's not quite as down bad as like the Kyle Pitt situation where like, how low are we dropping him? Am I flip-flopping him and Stafford? Stafford looking just as bad. I was comfortable having him ahead of Tom Brady up until last week. But then actually the, the Bucks finally played fun Bucks football. It remains to be seen if they played that because the Chiefs were pushing them. But even in the context of the game, they had a pass rate of like 16% over expected. And then last week, Russell Wilson didn't play this incredible game. They, I mean, 
for, for God's sakes, they, they lost not even that close of a game to the Raiders, though their team to give up a lot of points. But he scored three touchdowns, including one on the ground. He got a long ball to KJ Hamler. If that's something they can integrate into the offense, that should be a plus for the team. But uh, it's where, can he flip into that QB 11-12 range? Early in the season, he actually had a really strong EPA per play, and that's kind of dipped in the past two games. So it's been a weird ride for them. They're also making incredibly stupid mistakes all the time. Uh, un- the Melvin Gordon fumble six or whatever, and they had oh. the two four, the two goal line fumbles in the first game. And these seem like things that shouldn't be repeatable. And when these things don't happen, the offense would hum, right? If you can, instead of fumbling on the goal line, put it in the end zone, you would score a lot of points. Yet every single week, they have false starts and offensive penalties mounting, fumbles, dumb plays, horrible clock management. You would think these things are anomalies, yet they keep happening. So I, this team has... I still believe, despite the loss of Javante Williams, a really strong level of talent, but they've struggled to put it together. And when Russell Wilson finally got on the board as a fantasy asset last week, and frankly, it wasn't even his best game of the year, I don't think. No, it wasn't. It kind of was like a little bit garbage timey. A little bit, yeah. Not fully garbage timey, but a little bit garbage timey. But it's weird, Kyle, like, like Russell Wilson is someone I, I wish I were struggling with. Like, he shouldn't be a locked in top 12 quarterback right now, but I just think he is because of how how messed up the situation is behind him and just how few people stuff it. It's kind of like a total dearth of like life hack dual threats this year, too. Like the Yeah, the dual, dual threats th- are either blowing people out of the water or they yes. don't exist. Like Daniel Jones is not the dual threat you want to look for. I get why he scored like two rounds. The dual threats, yeah, are like dirt, tiered but... off alone at the top, and then it's Daniel Jones doing nothing, it's Justin Fields doing nothing. It's just it's just like, yeah, it's just not not. Uh, like Trevor Lawrence isn't running at all. I'm just going through this list right now. I mean, Ryan Tannehill was, was he ever a dual threat? I, I call him a lightweight oh, guys, dual threat. Guys, sure. like, guys like Ryan Tannehill and Daniel Jones, they've had a decent amount of rushing touchdowns in their career. Thank Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley for that, especially Daniel Jones. His two rushing touchdowns in, in week four was clearly due to the defense solely focused on how effective Saquon Barkley was running the ball. So you ain't going to be able to depend on that weekly, obviously. No. So Kyle's having trouble ranking Russell Wilson. Lawrence, I said I was having trouble ranking Jared Goff. Kyle kind of laid out the Jared Goff situation where he went. You're thinking, is he top two? Is he top three? (laughs) How could I go any lower? Dude, he's a killer. Went nuclear without Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, without DJ Shark, without DeAndre Swift, pretty insane. I mean, against one of the worst defenses in the league. Now he's facing Bill Belichick for week five. Can we point chase this week with Jared Goff, Kyle, or, or excuse me, Lawrence, or should we keep Jared Goff out of the top 12? For full disclosure, I've begun with him at QB 13. Yeah, now this is this one's going to be tough here. Uh, first, you look at the over-under, 46 and a half. I believe that's the lowest over-under the Lions have had thus far. And what um, a world if that's the Lions lowest right, over right. <laughs> and, and it's a reason for that because the Patriots are solid, uh, better than solid. This is a top defense. Um, they gave the pack. Their defense is what's been keeping them in the games. If you saw them against the Packers last week, you know they were stout against Aaron Rodgers. They were stout against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They were pretty damn good against the Dolphins week one. You know, they those are three very good uh, offenses that they face thus far. So um, I would be weary about 
Goff in the Lions offense for this week. Like any other, maybe them in the, you know, the 49ers, teams like that, I I would be weary about it, especially in New England. I'm trying to split the difference with Goff this week, Kyle, where – I mean, just it's such a bad part of the board that I feel like you kind of have to force him up to like the QB one two borderline. But like I'm expecting Jared Goff to take sacks this week. I'm expecting Jared Goff to commit turnovers this week, and I'm just hoping they're accompanied by fantasy points and hoping it's accompanied by Amon Ross St. Brown playing this game. It's only Tuesday as we yeah. record this. We don't really know his status. Hopefully, I'll feel better about kind of point chasing with Jerry Goff if he can get back one or two of his weapons. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, who sure. do you have uh, who do you have like two or three spots ahead of him? Like so again, this is very initial by the way. I've only done my initial Well, I'm just doing this to copy copy from <laughs> I've only done my initial pass through. I'll take you through my QB 9 to 15 yep. right now. It's Russell Wilson at 9, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers cuz he's just been so efficient again, but he's not getting the big fancy days yet. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford. Then Geno Smith, who I'm thinking about moving up against the Saints, who just don't appear to be the same defense so far this year. But I, don't, I just don't know what to do. It's tough. It's tough in that little range. Um, the Saints defense actually did get some pressure. They got good pressure on, on Kirk. On, on Kirk Cousins. And Kirk was horrible, by the way. In that game. Not a great game, though. It's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> That'll um, happen from time to time. It's Kirk Cousins. It was the only game on at the time. That's why. <laughs> it's a good point. He was islanded up. Never the Patriots are 100% going to get pressure on, on the Detroit. Even though the Lions offense is pretty good, Matthew Judon is playing out of his mind this season. I've seen him in the faces of Tua, Lamar, and definitely Aaron Rodgers in – like every single week is happening. They're dialing it up and just the Patriots offense is just hoping that they could like, you know, just straddle along, you know, but it's going to be, a, it'll, it'll be a nice little test for the Lions offense. That's for sure. This will be a big test. And we just hope they get some of those weapons back. We'll be right back after this to talk running backs. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney world? Like, Hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, the Major League Baseball playoffs, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. 
There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Bengals and Ravens in our Sunday night seven contest. So yeah, we spent a lot of time talking on quarterback because it's just like, are there even good quarterbacks right now? Running back is where, you know, the money is made, or at least it used to be where the money is made. There's no longer any good running backs, Lawrence. Running back is just where the money is lost these days. Yeah. I don't know where to rank any of them. Who in particular are you struggling to rank at running back, Lawrence? Well, J.K. Dobbins, uh, you could clearly see that with each week, he's getting a little better each week. We're going to just wipe out week three. That's the first game back from the ACL. Fast forward to week four. Again, not efficient in receiving or rushing, but he was the guy. 17 total touches, two touchdowns. They gave him the little shovel pass at the goal line. And then he ran one in. So you like to see the fact that they're using him there at the goal line again. If you if you uh if you stood the test of time, which was three weeks uh to wait to start J.K. Dobbins. Now the question about it is after a week in which he finished as a top 10 running back in week four, the question is, can he really get going now? We know as a rookie he had he averaged six yards a carry. As a rookie, extremely efficient in that aspect. Now, can he get that going now that he's a couple weeks in? He's getting in the groove. He's getting more touches by the week. They're definitely going to need it. Home game, division game against the Bengals. Uh, it should be a little, the defense will be a little, you know, not as good as the Buffalo Bills was there in the front seven. So I'm having a, having trouble uh, ranking him for that reason because you know he's getting better but how much better is he gonna make the jump for this week it's just weird because it was clearly they were forced into using him more than they wanted to in week four I, I think the Ravens wanted to continue to kind of take it easy with J.K. Dobbins but I believe K- Kenyon Drake was healthy scratched for the game correct he was yes. healthy scratched they and took then, Justice Hill to the game and then Justice Hill suffered some sort of leg injury I didn't a see non-contact exactly leg injury we haven't gotten an update on that yeah, yet yeah uh, maybe it's just like an ankle roll but I don't think it was the plan to use J.K. Dobbins that much but they got him near 20 touches he responded reasonably well like you said Lawrence is an elite defense now it's hopefully a better scoring environment this week in a game. What what is the over under, by the way? Um, it is at like 48 and a half. And the line has moved a bit, you know, two points in favor of Baltimore since opening. They're now three point favorites at, at home. So it's kind of expected. But like you, you're talking about it. It's a good scoring game where the Ravens are projected to be winning. They at least have one running back banged up. I don't know if Justice Hill will play in this game or not, but they're certainly not going to give him their normal workload. They would if he is banged up. And the other running back, they would be giving work to Kenyon Drake. They dislike him so much they were healthy scratching him. And he wasn't playing well to start <laughs> the year either way. So to me, right. like, it's, it's, I don't think we'll see 25 carries in a game for a long time for J.K. Dobbins, not only because there's not a ton of reason for him to have that this early coming off of what is just a brutal knee injury, but also Lamar is just such a good runner that you don't need a running back to do that much. But like 15 carries against the Bengals as favorites running downhill. Like I I like that setup for him. I I think I'm going to have him as a top 24 running back this week. I've just got him as a solid flex right now. It sounds like you're describing Mike Davis week, by the way, Kyle, please. Um, please (laughs) I haven't ranked as a high end RB three flex right now. Just again, this is the initial pass through. I have him as the RB 29, what sounds right to you, Lawrence? If I've got him as like a flex, a solid flex, Kyle, I'm, Kyle has him as a back end RB two. What what sounds right to you? I, I, I will probably be, um, you know, in that back end RB two range, 
24 ish, maybe move move him up a little more, depending on how things go. Gus Edwards will be back at some point. Um, now, Raheem Most, speaking of 15 carries, Raheem Mostert took 15 carries for 69 yards against this same Bengals defense, and they were down, you know, to Teddy to Teddy Bridgewater and all that stuff that happened. So there there could be some line for success, and if he's going to get those three or four targets, because we never really expect Ravens running backs to get a bunch of targets. So if he could get three or four of those targets and turn that into 20, 30 yards, then I would like him uh, going into this week. But still, because of all the question marks, that's why it makes him tough to rank. He could end up being running back 11 this week, that's like true. he was last week. Or it could be running back 37, you know, so – he was a great guy to talk about because, like you just said, the, the range of outcomes is quite wide for Jake. Because maybe the Ravens, maybe the Ravens just do not want him handling those kind of workloads right now, and will feature Mike Davis and like just do something because they don't want to overextend J.K. Dobbins. Before we get to you, Kyle Lawrence, I'm just going to read you a few names and say this guy or J.K. Dobbins for Week Five: J.K. Dobbins or A.J. Dillon against the Giants. Dobbins. J.K. Defense is tough. J.K. Dobbins or Ezekiel Elliott versus the Dobbins. Los Angeles Rams. All right, good. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins or Damian Harris. Damian Harris versus the. Uh, They're playing the, the the Lions. Lions. Ooh. Hmm. Maybe Damian Harris looking good. Maybe <laughs> Damian Harris. The final one, uh, J.K. Dobbins or Rashad Penny against the New Orleans Saints who are springing leaks on the ground. Give me J.K. Dobbins. Penny just he he went off last week. That I'll leave that at last week. That's you know, that's probably always a good idea with Rashad Penny, but they did they did narrow that committee thankfully. It seems to be a two back backfield instead of three. Kyle, who are you having trouble ranking a running back for week 5? We're back. Like I feel good about Dobbins. We get to enjoy that. We're having trouble. How optimistic can we get with J.K. Dobbins? Yeah, that's, that, that's what it is. That's, that's what fun, it is, right? Even if we disagree on flex RB two, that's an enjoyable conversation. But we need to have a much sadder conversation about <laughs> Najee Harris, who like, oh, man, God. this is a a very down bad situation. I believe last week was the first time in his career he was held without a catch. And he wasn't even targeted. He was never going to get ahead of catch in this game. They make the switch. Uh, they make the switch off of Mitchell Trubisky. And I think the thing was, it, it wasn't really going to matter who was under center, right? Because the thing that fueled his fantasy output last year was that Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw it more than five yards downfield. And although like Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, I don't think either of them are great throwers. Both of them have massive ADOTs relative to Ben Roethlisberger. Trubisky had like a top five ADOT in the NFL before he was benched. And then Kenny Pickett went up to him and he was just throwing deep shots throughout the game. Still took some took some chances to like Pat Fryermuth, but it's clear that the difference between Ben Roethlisberger and even a league average quarterback is just crippling to Najee Harris as a receiver. And the offensive line isn't particularly great. Harris isn't a tackle breaker. He's not a long run threat. So it's not like the Saquon Barkley thing where even if the line is bad, just one seam and he's gone and it makes his entire day. There's no chance for that. So to me, it's like, how far am I comfortable dropping Najee Harris? I'll still have him as a top 24 back, but like, He's not. He's not even sniffing RB one ranks. He's not close. Do you have him in the top twenty? I mean, have you? You might not. Have even I haven't done my way. ranks yet. Um, it's top. 20. We're not supposed to admit that part. <laughs> it's, yeah, of course, I haven't done my ranks yet. Let me see the first practice report. I actually, I, I thankfully have done my ranks, so at least I have some baselines to compare it to. 
Um, I don't think I'll have him in the top 20. I was the RB18 right now, and it honestly feels too high. When you, While you were talking, I was just perusing his normal game log. I had not realized he's he's posted more than five receiving yards one time this season. Like, yeah, the what? interesting thing, yes, too. Yeah, last I'm, week I'm was, looking at the same thing. I'm like, what? Last week, they actually let Jalen Warren get some run. He ran 10 routes last week. I think Harris only ran something like 16. Like, you need him to be getting every single snap, every single down, never leaving the field to be effective here. If he's giving up 20% of the backfield to Jalen Warren, who looks better than him. When he, he actually gets the does ball. look better. It's kind of scary. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's definitely some of the, the Zeke Tony Pollard syndrome where Tony Pollard gets to come in fresh in advantageous situations and take advantage of it. But the evidence starts mounting and mounting that you think the backup looks better. To me, like when we're in that type of situation, I, I'm – I've. Yeah, not, I don't think we'll make top 20 for me. I'm going to put you on the hot seat then. Um, Najee Harris, who is playing the Buffalo Bills, or Damian Pierce, who's playing I the I knew you were going to say Damian Pierce, 100% Damian Pierce. I could tell you were going to come up with that. <laughs> the thing is, Damian Pierce actually ran almost exactly half the routes last week. He ran more routes than Rex Burkhead. He got more targets than Rex Burkhead. I don't think he's going to play 80% of the snaps, but the fact that they're also now comfortable pushing his role even further to where he's not just dominating the carries, but he is a meaningful part of the passing game. He only got eight yards on those targets, but let's not, you know, volume. We're volume guys here. We talk about the underlying metrics, not what really happened. That doesn't uh, matter at all. What actually happened doesn't matter. Don't let anyone tell you. That <laughs> and does. if you want to know what did happen, ran for 75 yards on a single play and found the end zone. So uh, to me, uh, like his role isn't that much different, frankly, than Najee Harris. And he's running better. Like, uh, yeah, Damian Pierce. Easy. Does, does he clear the Jeff Wilson line for you, Kyle? I don't Ooh. think he does. I, he's going to hopefully see. The thing is, I would say he's going to see more targets than Jeff Wilson, who I don't think was targeted last week. You know who else wasn't targeted last week? Najee Harris. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I think that will rebound. Harris is a good pass catcher. He's, a, he's an above average pass catcher, but he's not special. He's not a commanding targets part of the offense type of pass catcher. He's a, you know, open the flat more often than the average type of guy. And, and that's not enough to clear Jeff Wilson. No. Lawrence, do you have any Najee thoughts before we move on to receiver? I'm going to have him inside the top 20 just because he's had 17, 18, and 21 total touches. Um, that's really it. What's the, the reason he's down to 18 is because, like y'all just talked about, not getting the receiving, not getting the receiving targets anymore. Just think, by this time last year, he he would have he's had a game already this time last year in which he received 19 targets in a game. Man, he got what a that. time to be alive. He, won't, he probably won't beat that after week five. You know, <laughs> so that it, it, it was a, he, yeah, man, it's, 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 t- I actually don't have a problem where I'm going to rank them. It'll be like literally right inside the top 20 because they're playing the bills that's that first off that's tough throwing Kenny Pickett in there yeah yeah I'm sure this is gonna go great for that yeah he just threw three interceptions against the Jets like yeah I I love to say you know this is the NFL and definitely anything can happen but damn like (laughs) (laughs) that's the problem for now I think you can maybe have a little Najee optimism because I'm like going forward because the offensive environment, I think, will be better overall, maybe only marginally, but even a marginally better offensive environment with Kenny Pickett would be good for Najee Harris. But yeah, they're playing the Bills this week, and there's just 
there's just not room for good things to happen. I feel like for this offense and for this quarterback making his first career start and this defense to shut down Lamar Jackson. Like, I just don't know. There's just, it's just not going to be a good week. And the, the bills are ready to empty the clip on offense. Like they've had two weeks in a row when they've scored what 21 and barely 23 points. Like they're, they ready to go. So something got to give. And it's going to be uh Kenny Pickett's back. It's just gonna get it's just gonna get broken into. Uh, Lawrence will sh- will switch to receiver. I'm having trouble ranking basically every wide receiver, but who is giving you uh, particular headaches? Uh, a guy who's not as buff as his father, Michael Pittman Jr. Oh, come um, on, man! You know we we know what the upside is. We know what his situation is. Clear wide receiver one on his team. Well except week four when Paris Campbell outscored him. Um, week one, it's all good. He was wide receiver five. Gets the touchdown, 120 yards receiving. We love that. It's what we expect. We we know wide receiver five is his, you know, that's like his ceiling right there. So cool. Misses week two, okay, that's okay. Week three, wide receiver 27. Now, it was still okay because the targets was there. You know, he ended with 72 receiving yards, nine targets in that game. That's okay. Every receiver has a down game. But now week four is interesting because now the whole offense is just, um, you know, not looking good. And they've not looked good more often than not. There's pressure on my boy, Matty Ice. And you know, if he get that pressure, it's a rizap. He is not, he ain't doing nothing with that. <laughs> he's doing nothing with that. Um, so, so he's, he went down in, uh, you know, week four, he was wide receiver 58. So you got a guy who was now he's your alpha receiver here on this particular team. And week one, he's wide receiver five. And now he drops to wide receiver 58. So yeah, I'm I'm having trouble, you know. Maybe I might just average those numbers out and then rank him. Uh since they got the Denver Broncos coming up here, Jonathan Taylor may or may not go. So whole lot of factors are uh had me confused on where to rank this young man. Speaking of young men, Pat Sertan playing some really good cornerback oh, yeah. for the Denver Broncos. And I mean Kyle I so I, I this first week I have Michael Pittman ranked outside the top twelve at wide receiver. I just did wide receiver thirteen, but he has been trending downward as has this entire Colts offense. I mean, do you agree with Lawrence, or do you think maybe we'll start getting some bounce back? Just off the top of your head, do you still regard Michael Pittman as a set and forget wide receiver one, Kyle? Set and forget, probably not. To me, that's like the clear top five, top six guys. You can make some arguments for a lot of guys. I think he will creep into that range for me. And I know we've seen what the double touchdown from, was it two weeks ago, Jelani Wood, and then this week, Mo Ali Cox or something. But they've been looking to Michael Pittman in the red zone. Even despite missing a game, he leads the team in red zone targets. He leads the team in end zone targets. And he leads the team in overall targets by like nine targets. So he's clearly the wide receiver one, even though last week he tied with like three other guys for six targets leading the team. 
They're looking to him in the red zone. He's got a profile of a guy who should succeed in the red zone. It has just very strangely gone to the tight ends, despite them not actually throwing to the tight ends a lot. It's clear. How many tight ends does this team have, by the way, man? They have at least three, but up to seven, I'd argue. (laughs) Uh, So I I think their intentions, based on their targets in the red zone, have been to get Michael Pittman the ball. The outcome has somehow been something called Jelani Woods scoring. So Kylan Granson's going to have a two-touchdown game on Thursday. Please don't. Look, I can't... (laughs) Please God, no. I mean, you can see it though. I, I think Jelani Woods is like a giant. I think he, him and Mo, Molly Cox are both like six seven or something. So I get it. I get why they're going to him. It's fun. It's cool. But their intentions are to get Michael Pittman the ball based on how they're targeting him. So I, I think he's still a top twelve guy to me. And it's not his usage that worries me. It's the fact that like Matty Ice is melting. He's just he's yeah. Melting. Which Lawrence highlighted that it's yeah the environment could get very 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 poor. But Lawrence for week five. Would you rather play Michael Pittman or would you rather play Cortland Sutton, who is opposing Michael Pittman and facing um, the Indianapolis Colts? I would go Michael Pittman. I go Michael Pittman. Um, I have Sutton ranked one spot higher right now. Would you rather go Michael Pittman or Marquise Brown against the Eagles? We do not know Darius Slay's status for the Eagles. Probably would go Marquise Brown regardless of Darius Slay's status. And the final, Jalen Waddle against the New York Jets or Michael Pittman on Thursday. Waddle. Ooh, I like the quick response there. Yeah, I, I ring Waddle ahead of Michael Pittman every week, no matter what. <laughs> you should oh, listen. Okay, wait, wait, I forgot. No, two it's Teddy Bridgewater, but no you should two. listen to the Monday podcast with Denny, where he went to bat for Teddy Bridgewater as a yeah, yeah. Ted, Teddy, he'll he'll dish it out a little bit. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the good thing is, it's the Jets, so we go. You know, we should be able to do something with that. Give me Waddle over Pittman. There will be some excitement in the game. The early man, the early over under though is only 44 and a half. I feel like that's gonna go up. <laughs> well, shocker, Zach Wilson and Teddy Bridgewater square enough. I, I think it's gonna become one of those ragged glory shootouts, though. We're we're gonna get turnovers, we're gonna get sacks, but like Mike McDaniel's gonna scheme a 70-yard touchdown for Tyreek Hill, and then we're off to the races with a ragged glory shootout. So 44 and a half. If you're listening, Las Vegas, Nevada, it's too low. Way, way too low. Kyle, who is giving you trouble at wide receiver this week? Uh, for me, I actually have to check my notes because I have no – like we do the show sheet ahead of time. and uh, I, I can tell you who it is. Who am I having trouble with? I honestly don't remember. Uh, it was Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, man. <laughs> I I blacked this out from my memory because I don't want to talk about I, – I, I almost told you every single one of the Chiefs receivers, right? Because we have consistently, consistently seen Two receivers on this team run all of the routes. They run routes on like 75% plus. It's MVS and it's Juju Smith-Schuster. And we have consistently seen these two guys do absolutely nothing. They, I mean, I, I think at the point, I'm at the point where you just have to give up. You just have to say like, oh, well, it turns out Juju, who hasn't been good since 2018, probably isn't good. Like, that's probably just the answer. He was terrible in yards per route range the past few years. He wasn't able to out-target Deontay Johnson, who now this year looks like once they got a real quarterback, it's actually not that good for him. Uh, so to me, that would tell me that, oh, Juju should have been killing it with Ben Roethlisberger. Instead, he was losing losing reps to Deontay Johnson. So I just, I'm at the point where Juju's probably just not that good. And and the fact that he plays alongside Patrick Mahomes, you still have to be a baseline level of quality NFL player to, to do anything. He's scoreless. He hasn't gone over 100 yards. He's a flex-ish level play. I, I still think there may be some ceiling potential in here, but now we saw more routes from Sky Moore last week. Uh, frankly, Michael Harbin's playing just as good as if not better than Juju. Oh, no. They're throwing to the running backs. Like He's getting pressure from all sides, and he's also not good. So I almost included MBS in this too, because you can say almost everything I just said about Juju about MBS. To be fair, 
Patrick Mahomes told us. He did? He did. No, no, no. I, I set myself up for failure. This is <laughs> yeah, not he, this is a matter of expectations that I set and I shouldn't have because you're right. right. He told us. And, and you're talking to a guy who also, you know, got a couple of Juju Smith redraft shares as well. The the thing about it was I took him as like, yeah, my third receiver, maybe. So it, it's not that much of a sting. But old Patrick Mahomes, he told us. There's one constant in that passing game is Travis Kelsey. I, Juju Smith-Schuster, one of my biggest summer rankings regrets, where I pretty consistently had him as a back-end wide receiver too. And cause I just thought he would clearly be the Chiefs receiver with like the best, most consistent usage. And he kind of has been. He's had five catches on at least eight targets, three of his first four games, but – I just really overestimated what that best usage is worth with Juju Smith-Schuster, yep. which you kind of highlighted, Kyle. And I just really, really overestimated what that what that kind of target share and like catch floor would produce. Because even with Patrick Mahomes, it's just still Juju Smith-Schuster. And that 2018 Juju Smith-Schuster just doesn't exist anymore. Totally. So that, he's been one of my – I've just been kicking myself, like basically since week one, like why did I have Juju Smith-Schuster ranked so high? And my summer ranking, I just that's been one that's been really bothering me. And yeah, I've got him ranked now as like a low end wide receiver three because until it's demonstrated, yeah, I just don't. I'm just assuming there's not a ceiling there. I'm just assuming there's no ceiling. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was like, oh, like it's still Patrick Mahomes. Someone has to catch the touchdowns, and these guys have consistently run routes. That being MVS and uh, and Juju, and it turns out the answer was, oh, it's Noah Gray has to get in the end zone. Jody Fortson has to get in the end Clyde zone. Edwards. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has to get his third receiving touchdown of the season. <laughs> Justin Watson's got to bang out a 50-yard touchdown. Blake Bell scored a touchdown, yeah. <laughs> we are it, it, so much closer to a Blake Bell score than we are to a Juju score. It's like, just crazy to think that this dude once went for 197 yards in a game. He had like 1,800 yards. I know it was 1,500 <laughs> yards, but still – uh, yeah, yeah, 2018, he had, okay, it was 1,426. Still, still, still on 111 still catches. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a lot. Um, but yeah, I just, that's been one that's been really bothering me. I think one that's probably been bothering all of us. I just wanted to ask you about a receiver quick, Gabe Davis. Um, I will say Gabe has a very convincing alibi and just that he has not been healthy. Um, this is already shaping up as I'm worried about maybe a lost season where his ankle is just never close to 100% healthy. When I say Gabe Davis, do you guys think why can we call Gabe Davis a top 36 receiver, a wide receiver three right now? <laughs> Gabe Davis isn't this is the easiest one to rank for me. This is <laughs> you know I've always been the anti Gabe Davis guy, part of the crew. Morris doesn't like four touchdowns, I guess. I do. I'd but kill for it, just one at this point, honestly. <laughs> listen, listen, one day. There's going to be a team that's maybe it's the Pittsburgh Steelers that they're going to bust the coverage and Gabe Davis is going to be down there wide open. He's going to score. It. That's what he that's what he do. Now, the, the the whole thing about his ankle, it, which actually I wrote about him as an optimal flex play last week and it didn't work out. I'll Just never do it. Again. <laughs> I never do it again. Um, but then, you know, so. This is the thing about the ankle. If you if the ankle that bad, he he got to get out of the game because he hurting the team. I know. They, well, they need the rest of teams, man. Just stop playing, dudes. Have injury. Like I don't even know why the Colts are talking about playing Jonathan Taylor. If they play Jonathan Taylor Thursday, yeah. his ankle is gonna be an issue for like six weeks. I, yeah, I don't think he'll be able to play if he if that because you're you're the you're the guy. You know what I'm saying? 
Luckily, Gabe Davis ain't the guy. They got Stefan Diggs. But, I, okay, it is tough to rank Gabe Davis because I would have him at, like, wide receiver. I would have him at wide receiver 30-something like That's I right, did. Adam. Like I did pre-draft. Um, but coming like playing the playing the Steelers, like I say, maybe that busted coverage, and then he end up with like two catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. That'll get him a good what wide receiver 28, maybe. That's all that's all that's all we wanted in the summer, right? We were the we were If the ankle ain't good, I might rank him wide receiver 59. Man, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, dude, I don't know, man. Like he, maybe it's the ankle, right? Maybe it's the ankle. I think it is the. I really actually do think it's the ankle, and uh, I'm you not. Hope I don't so, think man. that's good because. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do. I seriously better hope it's the ankle. Yeah, whether or not it's the ankle or not, at this point, I'm over it because the ankle doesn't look to be healing anytime soon. I'm going to assume they're going to list him as a limited, or maybe he'll bounce between limited and DNP. Maybe in two, three weeks when he gets full practice, full practice, no questionable status, I feel some sort of optimism. But even then, he's going to have to prove yeah. it to me because he is just out there Chris Hoganing all over the field, just wind that, sprinting, that wind sprinting. I mean, last week he led the team in routes and he caught, I think, one pass, right? Uh, like, And that's what he's done. He's run almost 100% routes for this team. One's got to do it. He just doesn't do anything Man, with it. He just hasn't. And it's totally possible that it's the ankle. Like, I don't mean this as an indictment of his talent because I have no clue if he's good or not the way he's playing right now. But until he comes out, like, even he has come out and said he's 100%. He, yeah, he's told do us that, he's 100%. Dude. He's just bad. So, yeah, he, 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 oh my God. Building his own bed out here. <laughs> yeah. So, whether or not it's the ankle, I don't know. But I also won't know when the ankle is better. I will have no clue because he's lied to us already if that is the, the truth. So, I won't have him as top 36, honestly. Real quick, Gabe Davis or Brandon Ayuk against the Panthers, Kyle? Ayuk. Lawrence? Ayuk. Man, yeah, I have him one spot behind Ayuk. Um, Not looking good, Gabe. Uh, Let let me take back my comment of anti-Gabe Davis. All right, thank you. I'm definitely not that. I just wasn't as high as the rest of the universe was. I'll say that. Yeah, it's a good idea to get right with the Gabe Davis. Yeah, I got to get right. Uh, you know, I, 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 I mean, I didn't have him ranked nothing crazy before the season. Wide receiver thirty-two. Good. I always just stay right with the Gabe Davis world. <laughs> you will, you will regret it. I ain't trying to get jumped out here. Yeah, do not, please do not get jumped out here. We'll be right back right after this to talk about tight ends. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Don't forget to listen to Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry. The legendary fantasy analyst is back with NBC and Rotorol doing what he does best, rolling out his love-hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and so much more. There'll also be plenty of actionable information along the way for you sports bettors as well. Check it out weekdays at noon on Peacock or listen to the show in podcast form wherever you download and subscribe. Lawrence, I believe you're going to be on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour again later this week, are you not? I, I, I'll be on there tomorrow. Uh, somehow they uh, tomorrow let being Wednesday, morning. by the way, in case you're listening on Wednesday. Yes, tomorrow Wednesday, the fifth, I believe. Um, yeah, I found my way back on there. I don't know how, but uh, it's, it's happening. So make sure y'all check that out there. Checking out the Fancy Football Happy Hour on Wednesday, October fifth, with Lawrence Jackson and Patrick Crane and Jay Croucher and many other people. Uh, gonna be a really good show, just like it is every day. Uh, tight end. Uh, who are we struggling with? Who, who did I assign tight end? Do you guys have a tight end? Me. Now I don't feel so bad. Lawrence, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's a tight end? You're having problems. George Kittle, man. Um, and it's, you know, I remember I, he can't. They said he was playing last week. I think all of us immediately put him in, in our top five because it's George Kittle. How can you not? This dude once went for over 1,300 yards in the season, and we know what he could do with Jimmy G. But – the first two games, one being on uh, prime time, hasn't hit 30 receiving yards yet. Um, so Seems like a problem. <laughs> yeah, like, almost like Kyle Pitts type stuff. You know, um, hasn't gotten over five targets, which that that's not – that's not the worst because George Kittle could do a lot with five targets, you know, by one of them. He, that's a good point. Yeah, like one of them, he didn't get his foot down last night. That would have changed the whole complexion of his game. Uh, but week three, he finishes tight end 20. Week four, he finishes tight end 37. There's no way I'm ranking him that low. Um, but I am I allowed to rank him in my top five again? Because he's capable because he's done it. Go for 180-something receiving yards. Like, he's one of them guys who could actually do that. But is he going to do it this week? Because if he is, I'm going to put him in my top three. Or do I just put him at tight end 12 and just be safe? So here we are. That is something you always have to keep in mind on George Kittle, is that even if his floor creeps lower and lower, his ceiling is basically as high as anyone at the position. Where he, he's, he's had, I think, three or four career 180-yard games. So right. Right. we know that ceiling's there. But, yeah, the floor – has this been going lower and lower with Jimmy Garoppolo under center? I do wonder – I think the floor might be higher than it was last year since the 49ers are just – like their, their run game personnel has been kind of hollowed out by injury. Yeah. And I just think they're going to need bigger passing performances at some point. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo might not be able to provide them. But when you hear George Kittle, Kyle, what tight end what pops into your mind right now? I'm still I'm still top five, and honestly, the way the top five has shaken out with Kyle Pitts uh, being, I don't know, man. What's like the comp for Kyle Pitts? He's like not even Tyler Conklin. It's such a such a down oh, bad situation. Darren Waller also quite like Kyle Pitts just taking 
all of the bullets for being the bus tight end while Darren Waller not doing himself any favors. <laughs> yeah, that's just, right. That's he right. He's just that's sliding right. by because Kyle that's Pitts right. is a slightly more disappointing <laughs> option. I like. I kind of still feel like I want to put him as top three because, like you guys said, I, I don't know his, his average, his mean, and his median are going to look so different in any given week because he, he's going to have the blow up game of 180 yards, and then the team's going to run 30 times a game because they're beating the Panthers because the Panthers threw two pick sixes. I have no clue which week this is. They're like, oh, playing the Panthers this week. Don't, uh, don't do the Panthers like that. At least only one, <laughs> only one pick six, man. So, but he, you know, he looks fully healthy in terms of his usage. I don't think he would be out there for like 90 plus percent of the snaps, running a route on over 85% of the snaps of the passing down snaps he's played. I don't think they'd be using him like that if he was anything but completely healthy. So uh, he's the same George Kittle as far as health goes. It's not like he's like 33 years old or anything. I don't think he's falling off a cliff. It's just been the typical George Kittle doesn't get a ton of targets because he plays alongside Alpha Debo Samuel and very good number two, Brandon Ayuk. So I'm still betting on him, even though like some weeks it will burn me. Some weeks it'll win you your matchup hands down. And that's that's at the tight end position. That's all you can ask for unless you have the consistent and nuclear Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey. So do you guys both have George Kittle ranked ahead of Kyle Pitts or no? Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to have to say yes because of the ceiling, you know. With We don't know who the Lions are going to get back, but here's how we end the show with this really gross question, Lawrence. No. Uh, no. TJ Hawkinson or Kyle Pitts for week five? TJ Hawkinson playing the Patriots. Oh, that's then I'll go Kyle Pitts. I, I'm kind of Kyle. Should we be worried about Bill Belichick just immediately eliminating TJ Hawkinson this week? I mean, I, he'll have a tough decision to make if Amon Ra comes back. Yes. Where to devote that is resources. not a tough decision, to be clear. That is the easiest decision of his life. <laughs> I get that TJ Hawkinson, whenever they had no one and played the worst defense in football, put up a bunch of points. But uh, I, I still think it would be bad for Amon Ra to come back for TJ Hawkinson. I, I thought he had a chance to play last week, early in the week. I think he comes back this week. And when that happens, like, he is such like a black hole of targets across the middle of the field. No one else in the middle of the field is going to get looks because he's just that good. He's always open. And he catches everything. Whereas TJ Hawkinson is probably a good type. Like I, I think we saw last week when he plays well, he, he does kittled. have like he kittled last week. He kittled last week. Uh, he doesn't kittle as often as Kittle, unsurprisingly, but he's a perfectly fine, probably a top 12, 15 talent at the position. That's not enough to out target Amon Ra. It's not even close. So to me, as long as Amon Ra is back, I, I Still think I take pits. Uh, it's, but it's if Mario is right, yeah. because we're just we know what Kyle Pitts is. We just saw TJ Hawkinson go for 155 yards, and here we are sticking by Kyle Pitts. That's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna be an interesting week, I think, is the takeaway from the show. And I'm getting more confused instead of less confused as the season. Glad goes I got help. Yeah. So so yeah. We hope the same is not true for the listeners. We hope. We're helping you gain some clarity on some tough decisions. We hope you're going to check out everything we post on the site this week. Kyle, what do you have coming? Uh, I think 32 stats. will It'll be dropped by the time you hear this. I'm going to drop it in a few minutes. And then I just check out the preview pod on Thursday when that drops. Lawrence, remind the folks what you have coming. Yes, sir. Um, optimal flex plays on Wednesday. Got those coming. Not your obvious starts, but guys who can get in there and do their thing. Last week, Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert were amongst those players. And check out the rankings coming on Thursday. Like Kyle said, check out the preview pod. Check out Lawrence on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour on Wednesday. Replay will be available on YouTube as well as in the Fantasy Football Happy Hour podcast feed. For Lawrence, for Kyle, I'm Pat. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys later.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.